the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Much for joining us on this Wednesday morning at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It's the twenty seventh morning of the month of February in the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. What a day! What a day! What a day we have in front of us right now. The President of the United States is currently meeting behind closed doors with the dictatorial leader of the uh, Democratic People's Republic of North Korea, Kim Jong Un, trying his level best to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, trying to end a threat that has only grown in the or in the world, really, a threat to the United States that has only grown over the course of the last several years due to the absolute inaction of former President Barack Obama, President Trump trying to put out some serious fires and to try to quiet war drums from banging. Do you remember a time, wasn't that long ago, about uh, two and a half, three years ago, We were warned by the American left and by the mainstream press that if Donald Trump became president, we would be at in war, at war, or in a nuclear war with North Korea because of his temperament, because of his uh, lack of knowledge of the uh, uh, international uh, relationships that we have, particularly as it pertains to Korea, uh, South Korea and North Korea. We were going to be at war. Kim Jong-un was going to was going to challenge Donald Trump and Trump is going to do something stupid and start a war. We are closer to peace and to an end to the ongoing missile testing inter- intercontinental ballistic missile missile testing done by North Korea and end to the nuclear program weaponry program anyway in North Korea than anybody could have thought possible all because the president has gotten out front of it. He has gotten out in front of it. He has said, let's do personal diplomacy one-on-one. Yes, Mike Pompeo is there as well, and he is absolutely fantastic as Secretary of State. But the president sitting down with Kim Jong-un. Now, does that mean we can trust Kim Jong-un? No, not necessarily. He's a dictatorial communist leader. He starves his people. He allowed an American, Otto Warmbier, to be tortured literally to death. He's no friend of the United States, and the President of the United States cannot go in there thinking that he is. I don't think that he is. I think the President's advisors, particularly Secretary of State Pompeo and others, are all over this. And only good can come from this. Worst case scenario, we get nothing done. Best case scenario, we have a an agreement, whether it's one that is signed and written uh, and entered into uh, into law, if you will, or not remains to be seen. This is not a process. You don't go from being adversaries and enemies for long. Remember how long Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, held sway in North Korea. And remember all of the uh, threats and all of the uh, terribly dangerous actions that he took. This isn't something that can just be overturned overnight. It takes steps. First step was a year ago when they held the first summit between the president and, and uh, Kim Jong-un. This is the second. 
We're not going to probably get anything written, anything that is specifically going to demand or to dictate that um, uh, their their uh, nuclear program is completely destroyed, completely dismantled, et cetera, et cetera. But we are taking very important steps. So that's one thing that's going on today. And while the president is over there trying to, again, do the exact opposite of what people thought he would do, which is antagonize North Korea and lead to the start of a war, that's what his critics wanted you to believe, while that's going on over there, over here, House Democrats are indeed ready to launch a nuclear war. Not that kind, but a political nuclear war. House Democrats, for no reason whatsoever, are inviting former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen, who is on his way to prison for three years for lying to Congress, They have him ready to testify before the House Oversight Committee where he will, no doubt, once again, lie to Congress. All to do what? To try to discredit, try to embarrass, try to humiliate, and ultimately to try to impeach Donald Trump. That's the bottom line of all of this. Democrats... Don't want this. I've told you this before the November elections, and I told you this after the results. Democrats will do whatever they can to harm this country in the next two years. They want to grind the economy to a halt. Why? Because a strong, thriving economy, the one that has been built by the president and his supporters in the first two years of his presidency, a strong, vibrant economy is bad news for them. It's going to lead to him being reelected. They want to grind it to a halt. They want to reinstitute regulations that the president deregulated to slow businesses down. They want to force $15 an hour minimum wages on all businesses in order to slow hiring, in order to lead to more layoffs. You do understand the correlation, yes? Every business in every city that has decided to move to a minimum $15 an hour minimum wage, that's a little redundant, sorry, but a $15 minimum wage, has had to lay other people off in order to um, balance out the costs of the increase in salary of the ones who remain. They want that to happen. Worse employment numbers, worse unemployment numbers, and of course those are two different things, but the unemployment numbers and then of course the workforce participation rate, those who are actually employed and looking for work, all of these things, they're, we're, we're just doing so much better than we ever, well not ever have, but have in decades under President Trump, and the Democrats have to stop that. They will do everything they can to harm the president and the country in the next two years in order to stop him from getting four more years. So here they come with Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen, who can offer nothing to the United States Congress and the House Oversight Committee, nothing of value whatsoever in assisting this nation in moving forward, continuing its economic growth, continuing its military strength, which was rebuilt thanks to the president, by the way, he can offer nothing of value except help them try to stop Donald Trump from being successful. That's it. He's a convicted liar. 
He's a former lawyer. Not just the former lawyer of President Trump, by the by. Michael Cohen is a former lawyer. He's been disbarred. He's going to come to the United States House Oversight Committee today. And in his prepared remarks, which have been released, he's going to call Donald Trump a racist. He's going to call Donald Trump a con man. He's going to call Donald Trump a cheat. Those three words are specifically in the prepared remarks that he will open with. It was published online yesterday. It's going to include lines like this. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist. He is a con man. He is a cheat. He was a presidential candidate who knew that Roger Stone was talking with Julian Assange about a WikiLeaks drop of Democratic National Committee emails. He's going to say those words. He will have nothing in the way of evidentiary proof of any of the above. Nothing. Although he is going to come with documents saying that I have a canceled check or a a copy of a check, rather, that Donald Trump wrote to me to reimburse me for paying hush money to a former porn star or a a current porn star, I guess I should say, uh, Stormy Daniels, which, by the way, came directly from Mr. Trump's personal account, if indeed it is valid. Not that I want to take up each of these issues individually, but which, of course, means it's his personal money and it's not campaign money and thus... There is no campaign finance violations. There are none. He's going to say, uh, is uh, Michael Cohen today? A lot of people ask me about whether Mr. Trump knew about the release of the hacked Democratic National Committee emails ahead of time. The answer is yes, says this convicted liar. Mr. Trump is racist, he's going to say. The country has seen Mr. Trump court white supremacists and bigots. You have heard him call poorer countries blank holes. Let me pause right there for just a moment. Poorer countries being blank holes are a result of their leadership having nothing to do with the race of the people. As for courting white supremacists, again, uh, an allegation that will be made with absolutely zero evidentiary proof to be brought forth because Mr. Trump has repudiated white supremacists and bigots at every turn. Mr. Trump has been the greatest friend to the black community in the United States that we have seen in the Oval Office in decades. Black people have better opportunities in the United States now, educationally and with employment, than they have ever had in recorded American history. But convicted liar Michael Cohen's going to try to destroy the president today in the House Oversight Committee at the request of House Democrats whose sole mission at this point in time is not to help govern the country, not to pass legislation that's going to assist the United States not to pass legislation that is going to help grow jobs, help grow the economy, help grow infrastructure. They're not, their job right now, their mission, their sole mission is destroy Trump. Take him down at any cost. While he's negotiating to secure the peace 
in the Korean Peninsula to denuclearize that very dangerous region of the world, we are going to come back here and try to cut his hamstrings, literally cripple him. That's their goal. That's their job. I welcome you to join us this morning, 216-901-0945. I do have a guest coming up at 935. He's going to talk a little bit more about the nut jobs in the... Dem- 924 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, don't forget, we're going to talk to Daniel Turner coming up after the bottom of the hour. Very much looking forward to that conversation about... Um, uh, as I said, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the nutjobs on the American left trying to destroy literally every aspect and facet of the American infrastructure and the American economy so that it can rebuilt, be rebuilt by a total world power, a world controlling rather power called the Democrat Party, also known as the Party of Death. All right, let's go to the phones though in between now and then, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Um, you can also comment to me, by the way, by uh, way of Facebook and or Twitter. Find me at both of those places at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. Comment on these stories. Let's go to Maury, who is in Beechwood on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Maury. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, again, you're right on the mark. Uh, I appreciate all your comments this morning. Uh, I've been calling and expressing my, my uh, frustration with the lack of unity among the Republicans. Now, in light of the fact that the Dems have been showing their cards with the vote on infanticide and the fact that they chose to have this, uh, 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 this session with Michael Cohen to discuss his, his issues, um, and in light of the fact that uh, the president's meeting with King Jong-un summit in, in, uh, in, in um, Vietnam, mm-hmm. I think that after he's done with that, I think it's time for him to have a, a summit with his own party, with the Republicans, and rally the group. Uh, I think people have seen uh, what the Dems are like, and I think it's, it's, it's perfect timing for him to, to get everybody on his side. And we need to start to be more vocal. Um, we, he, he needs to, we need to have uh, the president be reelected in 2020, and that's the one way I think he can start you know, the process going. Uh, I think this is well. The, really the problem, Maury, though the pro- the problem is he can't really huddle with and rally with uh, you know his his Republican base, but or the Republican base because there are very few. Let me rephrase. That's not correct. There are a lot of Republicans who support President Trump, but there are enough of them that do not that are secretly rooting on the Democrats. They're going to be cheering Michael Cohen on today. They want Trump out. There's an article that I read uh, a couple of weeks ago from uh from uh founders uh, foundingfathersdaily.com it's a great great uh, uh uh website to follow by the way you can get on their mailing list like I am I get these notifications every day or two uh from foundingfathersdaily.com it's a fantastic publication uh but a great uh, uh an op-ed in it, it, it advising never trumpers it's headline never trumpers need to stop these never trumpers in the republican party are going to be the determining factor sadly i think in whether or not president trump survives the next two years, and is reelected in 2020. And many of them, I believe, are cheering 
Michael Cohen today, who's going to lie and call President Trump a racist and call President Trump a cheater and a con man and this and that and the other, because he, of course, is going to prison for three years. He made his own bed. He made his own decisions. He lied to Congress. Now he's getting caught or going to have to pay the penalty, so he's going to try to take President Trump down with him. Democrats, who don't give a rat's behind about the fact that your taxes are lower, who don't care that you are making higher wages now than you have, uh, and I'm talking about America on average, in over a decade, far higher wages, far faster wage growth than we ever had during the Obama years. They don't care about the fact that more blacks, Latinos, um, uh, uh, women, youth, disabled, all of those sub-employment categories, all with record low unemployment, literally in the, in the recorded history of the numbers. They don't care if all of those people are doing well. They don't care that our military is being rebuilt, that we've destroyed ISIS, they don't care about any of it. They just want power. Kill Trump's chances. Just kill Trump's chances is their motto. And the truth be told, they would stop at just kill Trump if it wouldn't get them in trouble. That's how they feel. They want Trump gone so that they can take power. Their lurch to the left is not an accident. Their race to see who can be more nutty and more progressive and promise more free crap that they can't possibly provide or pay for or manage or run all in an effort to have full-on total control of your life, this country, and by extension, the world. Does it sound stupid? Does it sound like a movie script? Kinda, yeah, but it's real. This is what they want, and they will do anything that they have to do to destroy Donald Trump and thus all of the gains he has made in order to make that happen. Let me get a time out here for news. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming to you, but I do have a guest. I'm going to beg your indulgence as we talk to Daniel Turner, who is going to be joining us. He's the president of Power the Future, a conservative organization that's taken the fight uh, to the eco-left. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Kamala Harris, and the rest of them. We're going to talk to him coming up after the news on AM 1420. So, you do know the model of the United States, right? We are a representative republic. We are a constitutional republic in which we hire elected representatives. We choose them to go to Washington, D.C. and establish policy uh, on our behalf. As we want them to, as we want them to do, we we uh, we demand that they represent our wishes and our needs. That's why we send them to Washington D.C. Well, at least one, and probably many, in the party of death, including freshman Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortez, um, she doesn't understand that model. She doesn't realize that she is our employee. She thinks she's the boss. Just ask her. And I read it, and I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Because, again, I'm at least trying, and they're not. So the power is in the person who's trying, regardless of the success. If you're- I'm going to stop that right there, because I, my brain is literally burning. There's, there's a whole being, being burned through it right now as I listen to this airhead bartender. I swear to you, my brain is frying right now. 
Because I'm trying, I have the power, she says. Because I'm trying and nobody else is trying, I'm right. This bimbo is an exact example, a result of decades and decades of millennial participation ribbons and participation trophies. You tried hard, you win. Results, you heard her. No matter the results, she said, because I'm trying, I'm in power, I'm in control. I tried, therefore I win. That's what we, I'm telling you, we've been talking about, I've been doing radio for 21 years. So in other words, since this idiot was eight, and I've talked for 21 years about participation trophies and about the lack of holding young people accountable, telling them, no, you only get rewarded when you succeed. You don't just get to try at that math problem, and whatever you put down is okay because you did your best. You have to get it right. This is the result of that. More from this idiot before we go to our guest. You're trying. You've got all the power. You're driving the agenda. You're doing all this stuff. Like I just introduced Green New Deal two weeks ago. And it's creating all of this conversation. Why? Because no one... Because you're stupid. Because I hear just... Listen carefully when I when I continue this cut there. And you can probably hear the air, air whistling between her right ear and her left ear. That's why there is conversation, because it's the dumbest proposal ever put forth by an American legislator, ever. No one else has even tried. Because no one else has even tried. So people are like, oh, it's unrealistic. Oh, it's big. You hear it? Oh, it doesn't address this little minute thing. And I'm like, you try. <laughs> you do it. Right. Because you're not. Because you're not. So until you do it, I'm the boss. That's How right. about that? You heard it here. <laughs> and I read it and I was like, you Enough know? out of you. Enough out of you, Kelly Bundy. I'm the boss. Until you try something, I'm the boss. She literally thinks she's in charge. She got, what, 14,000 people to vote for her in a district in which only 11% turned out to vote <laughs> in, uh, in the Bronx and against a Republican who didn't even campaign. And suddenly she thinks, America just gave me a mandate to run the world. I'm going to reshape the entire economy and infrastructure of the United States. I cannot describe how dangerous this airhead really is. Uh, let's talk it over with Daniel Turner, president of Power of the Future, conservative organization that takes the fight back to the eco-left, people like Alexandria Kelly Bundio-Cortez, and fights for American workers who suffer under their misguided policies. Uh, Daniel Turner, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's a real pleasure to be on your show, so thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I love what your your organization does, and I've read some of your comments about uh, the Green New Deal. I'm going to let you just kind of uh, respond to what you know you just heard there when she actually said, because I'm trying and I have introduced the Green New Deal, I get to make the decisions. I'm in power. I have the power. How dangerous is this, Daniel? It's it's a very dangerous mindset, but it's really not surprising for anybody who comes from the militant left because this is the way they 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 see themselves in this vision in this position of power. You remember even before she was sworn in, or as she called it, before she was inaugurated. Um, she told <laughs> Donald. <laughs> so true. So true. Donald Trump. She told Donald Trump Jr., who who poked fun at her on Twitter. 
she made a comment like it's not a good idea to threaten or to make fun of someone who will have subpoena powers over you. And a lot of people <laughs> thought, well, that's an odd way of looking at yourself. So the fact that she says these things, I'm in charge, I'm the boss, she really has no understanding of her role as a congressperson because she has literally no power. Uh, she represents one district in, in Queens in the Bronx. Um, she's not the boss of absolutely anything. And to prove that point, the Green New Deal is just absolutely sophomoric, farcical proposal. It, and it was laughed at. The Washington Post made fun of the Green New Deal. So it, it shows what, a, what a, 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 an amateur she is trying to sit at the adults' table because this is a silly piece of, of legislation. Let me play devil's advocate for you on this. I agree with you, by the way, every word, but the part about her not being in charge of anything and not having any power over anybody, um, I might play devil's advocate by saying she's right in that she does have power over some, and that would be every declared Democrat for president. Every one of them has signed on to this thing. She's got them eating out of, out of the palm of her hand. So she might not have any actual power for all the reasons you correctly stated. She's a legislator. She's not an executive. She doesn't have subpoena power, any of the things she, she thinks she does. But what she does have is the power of social media. She does have a rabid following of complete mental midgets who think that what she is doing is right. And that, of course, has vote seekers namely those uh, Democrats uh, who are running for president, signing on and saying, yeah, we're with you, Kelly Bundy, I mean Alexandria Cortez. That she does have that kind of power, doesn't she? She does have tremendous political leverage, and you're right. That is why the, the folks running for uh, office have signed on to the Green New Deal, because they want her uh, enthusiastic uh, and politically active base, and so it makes sense for them to jump on board. But look at the ones who have not signed on, and there are two in particular – Howard Schultz and Michael Bloomberg. Now, neither of them have declared yet. If they were to run, they're both mulling an independent run because even they realize the Democrat Party is too extreme. And they would be self-funders because they're both billionaires. And both of them also very accomplished businessmen and at the same time, rabid environmental activists. In terms of green philosophy, I could not disagree with two people more than Bloomberg and Schultz. And yet they knocked the Green New Deal as, as nonsensical. Michael Bloomberg called it pie in the sky. So Ms. Ocasio-Cortez is creating a divide within her own party, and that's only going to benefit President Trump. Uh, we are talking with Daniel Turner, pre president of Power the Future. What is it about the Green New Deal that is most abhorrent to you? Uh, and I, I go back and forth. I vacillate on this between the ridiculous nature of saying we are going to provide a, a sustainable living for all, whether they are willing to work or not willing to work. We are going to take care of everybody. We're going to provide free college, free uh, 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 preschool, free um, health care by way of Medicare for all for everybody. The pie and sky thing that will take care of all of your needs. Big daddy government will wipe your nose for you, will wipe your behind for you and take care of you forever. Or 
The idea that they want to wreck our existing infrastructure in order to accomplish it. The idea that we would give up all of our fossil fuels. We are now the world's leading exporter of energy, for crying out loud. It's the lifeblood of this country. We're going to kill all of it and start over with wind and solar. We're going to do all of this in 10 years, by the way. We're going to put rain tra- uh, train tracks rather from every uh, little town and hamlet in this country to every other one to replace airplanes. Uh, we don't have to fly. We're going to high-speed rail. I, I don't know if I'm more offended by the idea that they want to control our lives and, 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 pro, and, and provide everything for everybody on a personal level or that they're willing to literally destroy the economic infrastructure of this country in order to make it happen. And it's a, just a complete lack of understanding how our economy works, how our electric grid work uh, works. But what bothers me the most about the Green New Deal is the indifference, uh, the callousness it has towards people who, who work in the energy sector. And case in point, um, for, for generations in our nation, coal was a, was a viable commodity and a, a very good livelihood. And you go down to Belmont County, just, you know, a, a couple miles south, you know, southeast of your state, um, hundreds of people have lost their job. And they survived World War II. They survived dot-com bubbles. They survived the housing crash. Coal communities were thriving until the Obama administration decided we want to make coal politically untenable. And they succeeded tremendously. President Trump hasn't reversed that. And no one talks about the human toll of what that did. What does Belmont County have now? It has opioid overdoses. It has suicide rates, underwater mortgages, right? People's homes and communities have been destroyed. Their schools aren't funded. And the Sierra Club and Greenpeace and none of the environmentalists are ever held to account for the damage they did to real people and families because they did it, in their mind, in the name of the Earth and the planet. And the Green New Deal is that on a large scale. It will go into rural America where people work in energy, and it will destroy their lives. It'll do all of that and more. Daniel Turner is my guest. Um, and, And this is the part, this is the kicker for me, Daniel, and I was talking about this on my program yesterday. The most frustrating thing for me is that let's just say all of this could be done. Let's say that it wouldn't hurt all of these individuals that you just described, people who work in the energy sector who will be. Let's say they all uh, can can transition to jobs in the in the sustainable renewables uh, sector or whatever. Let's just say that it's not going to cost between 50 and $90 trillion over 10 years to get this done. Let's say that there is a tangible benefit. Let's say that the infrastructure can be changed. Okay, just for the sake of the, the discussion, we can do all of that, right? The United States has 320 million people in it. That is 4% of the world's 7.6 billion people. We're talking about saving the planet. They're talking about trying to stop climate change from affecting the whole planet. How is 4% of the, of the world's population changing everything that they do changing everything about the way that they live, going to stop global warming, climate change, or whatever goofy thing that they're calling it today, without India, China, the world's biggest polluters, uh, and, and those who represent a much more significant percentage of the world's population, unless they follow suit and do the same thing, tear down their factories, convert everything to solar and wind, renewables, uh, and, and all the rest. We can't do this alone, even if, it, if, we, if we wanted to, which, of course, we don't. And that's exactly why President Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Accords, because he realized we were sacrificing an awful lot for the name of climate change when the world's biggest polluters, as you well pointed out, had to do absolutely nothing. In fact, they were able to continue 
their carbon emissions if you believe that that is a pollutant uh, for the next generation. And so President Trump was smart to make that decision to pull us out of those accords. Virtue signaling is a deadly uh, thing to, to our, 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 fiber, our fiber, our being, our economy. And, and what I mean by that is the world's biggest polluters are China, India, Indonesia, most of the Southeast Asian countries. 95% of the plastic in the ocean comes from that part of the world. And what do we do to virtue signal? We ban straws, right? And we ban plastic bags. And somehow they think this is going to affect the climate or the oceans or the tides. And it's not. It's, it's just a symbolic gesture, but it's that little incrementalism into people's lives. Now you can't have a straw. Now you can't have this plastic. And you see that nonstop. The Green New Deal talks about veganism. Now you can't have meat. Who, who are you? As you said, you received 14,000 votes and, and you've been in Congress for less than two months. Who are you to tell me what I can and cannot eat or how I drive my kids to school? Oh, oh it's when worse than that. Daniel, Daniel, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're spot on. But you know what? It's more than just we're going to tell you what you can and can't eat. She's going to tell you whether or not you should be allowed to have children. You've heard this, I assume. Also, just this basic moral question, like what do we do? And, and even if you don't have kids, there are still children here in the world, and we have a moral obligation to them. Uh, to leave a better world for them. And this idea that if we just, you know, I've been working on this for X amount of years, um, it's like not good enough. Like We need a universal sense of urgency. That's part of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez putting in the minds of young people, she said, you really need to start thinking about whether or not we should be having children. You talk about incrementalism. You just mentioned Daniel Turner. Talk about intruding incrementally into people's lives. She started floating as she cut food to make chili on live, or uh, on yeah, I guess it was on on live Twitter. She she started talking about the beginnings of population control. Well, you might as well just abort them right after they're born, right? Because her party also seems to support that as well. So it all goes hand in hand. What 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 is frustrating about that particular video is not just what she says but what she's doing, and she is either too indifferent, too obtuse, or too stupid to realize that everything in that video is possible because of cheap, abundant, reliable domestic fossil fuels. Her iPhone, the food she's eating, she's chopping up a strawberry at one point. Does she think that in the middle of February in the Bronx, those strawberries were grown locally, or can she only afford them because of the cultivation, the harvesting, the transportation was done with cheap fossil fuels that she gives her strawberries 3,000 miles away at a price she can afford. How does she not understand that the plastic in her iPhone, one of the things the Green New Deal doesn't even talk about, are petrochemical products, plastics, insulation, housing materials, carbon fiber bikes, which are green, right? Bike lanes everywhere, all made from petrochemicals. Where do we find the goods to replace these products? Do we just stop using these products? Do we make bikes of wood again? How do we chop down the wood if you can't have (laughs) an internal combustion on a chainsaw? So it, it is this bizarre, absolutely sophomoric reasoning. It is dangerous, um, but at the same time, her own party is pushing back on her because they realize how stupid a proposal it is. You know, that is an absolutely brilliant observation all the way around about everything that you see in that video. That is so true. And, and to, to go further than the combustion engine and the chainsaw, by the way, how are they going to get the logs once they do chop them down old-fashioned with axes? How are they going to get the logs uh, to the mills, uh, to the lumber mills, in order to be able to uh, to to create all of the, you know, the wooden bikes and everything that you're talking about? 
Are we literally going to get rid of trucks and then just have wagons pulled by mules and by, and by oxen and by cattle? And if we are, then what are we going to do? Because all of those animals fart. And we found out. <laughs> so, and, what are we going to do? <laughs> and, and this is where the, the, the environmentalists are such phonies, because in their private lives right now, they do not live what they want government to mandate. Proof in point, Bernie Sanders averages 300 grand a month on private jet travel. So isn't that wonderful that in your personal life, Senator Sanders, you take private jets for convenience, for comfort, because you can afford it, but you want to outlaw private, you want to outlaw planes for the rest of us? That sounds kind of like the old Soviet commissars, right? That you have this quality of living, that you live at one level, but the masses all have to live at a different level. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, when her campaign finances were revealed, spent a lot more money on Uber than she did on the New York City metro and subway system because it's more convenient and it's more comfortable. But boy, oh boy, you would think she would love the subway if she's an environmentalist. Maybe, she, maybe she made sure. Maybe she made sure to get electric car Ubers uh, and, and didn't use them. I guess. <laughs> uh, Daniel Turner, this has been a very, very interesting conversation. I learned a lot. That's a great analysis, by the way, of that video and all of the different things. The petrochemicals. Nobody even talks about. I really appreciate that. Follow Daniel's uh, great work uh, and his team at PowerTheFuture.com. PowerTheFuture.com. Daniel, I hope we can have you back on again. I would love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Terrific conversation. Enjoyed it immensely. 9.53, let's get a time out on AM 1420, The Answer. He turned to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. All right, 958 short segment here before the top of the hour. Uh, good news for you. We are guest free in hour number two. That means plenty of time for your phone calls. I know a lot of people had to hang up already. So 216-901-0945. Next hour is all wide open. 888-281-1110. Get one of those uh, numbers going and uh, we'll get you on the radio. Twitter and Facebook, poison and toxic as they are. We use them. We sometimes have to use them especially in this particular business. Uh, and because I do, I will invite you to uh, message me with your thoughts on these subjects at uh, France Radio on Twitter and Facebook, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. You may have heard a couple of numbers in my conversation with Daniel Turner there uh, that I gave when I said 50 to $90 trillion. You may have said, oh, Bob misspoke, right? Because the numbers we've heard are $32 trillion is what the Green New Deal would cost. No, no, I didn't misspeak. There's a new study... Um, conducted by the American Action Forum. And if you're wondering who's that, it's run by Douglas Holtz Eakin. And you're wondering, who's that? Well, he directed the nonpartisan CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, from 2003 to 2005. So this individual is not lean, uh, partisan, or, uh, prone to partisan leanings. He's just crunching numbers. And what they have found is that the so-called Green New Deal, the actual costs over 10 years, are between $51 trillion and $93 trillion. I know you can't wrap your mind around what those numbers mean. I can't either. But just to say it, our current national debt is about $22 trillion. That's the debt built up since the beginning of this country till today. 
Think about that for just a moment. The Green New Deal would more than double that at its low end of $51 trillion in just 10 years or quadruple it to $93 trillion. That includes between $8.3 trillion and $12.3 trillion just to meet the plan's uh, call to eliminate carbon emissions and so much more. My goodness gracious. We're talking about the most ridiculously ignorant, stupid, give me a thesaurus here so I can find more words for this, uh, uh, short-sighted, knuckle-headed, uh, just flat-out dumb proposal ever introduced in the history of the United States Congress. And according to the person who introduced it, Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortez, it's okay because she's trying. And if she's trying, that makes her the boss. That's what she said. We'll examine that a little bit more in your phone calls coming up right after the news on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 